Hello, I'm excited you found your way here. I'm your host, Ashley Rennick, and you're listening to Waldorfy. In each episode, I explore and explain Waldorf education and its anthroposophical roots. Hello, everybody, and as always, thank you so much for listening in. In this episode, I'm speaking all about warmth and how it relates to the Waldorf approach with one of my absolute favorite guests, Megan Rose Wilson. So you know, the show notes and resources page for this episode can be found at waldorfy.com forward slash warmth. I cannot thank enough our incredible Waldorfy podcast partner, Sparkle Stories. Sparkle Stories offers over 1,400 original audio stories for children ages three and up. It really is an incredible resource to help entertain and enrich your child's developing mind, and I cannot recommend them enough. You'll get to hear me speak a little more about Sparkle Stories later in this episode. Sparkle Stories has actually created a playlist of audio stories to accompany each episode within the seventh season. If you'd like to check out those playlists, even there's a playlist of our family's favorite Sparkle Stories stories and sign up for your 30-day free trial of Sparkle Stories. Thanks to our partnership, you can use the code Waldorfy at checkout and the page where you can find all of that is sparklestories.com forward slash Waldorfy. I also have to thank our generous Waldorfy Patreon supporters. Thank you all so much for helping me to bring this content to all of you. If you're interested in learning more about becoming a Patreon supporter, you can find the information at patreon.com forward slash Waldorfy. So warmth, why warmth and how does it relate to the Waldorf approach? I have such a distinct memory of being a little kid going to a Waldorf school and our Waldorf teachers, when I say our, I mean my sisters and I, our Waldorf teachers just berating our parents to dress us more warmly. I feel like I'm throwing my parents under the bus when I say this, but um, I never had wool socks and my feet were always cold. And my teacher, I have like a memory of my teacher, even like we'd be outside for just so long. And I don't know, that just wasn't like coming to mind for my parents or they didn't have wool socks growing up or whatever. And my teacher like putting my cold, cold feet under a faucet to like warm them up and just really telling my mom, like, you've got to get thicker socks, wool socks, you know, for the boots in winter time, making sure that we're nice and warm. And I have a memory of my sister's teacher really getting on my dad, even I think he was like in between jobs or something. And she being like, you have to get Emily a new coat. You have to get her a thicker coat. My dad was like, ah, like, why is this coming at me so intensely? And they, you know, having to wear a hat. Um, I know there are a lot of uh, Waldorfy parents out there who have heard in a parent and child class or seen like, you got to keep a hat on that baby. Baby's got to have a hat. And I know actual parents uh, within kind of Waldorf community, Waldorf Spheres, that um, have kept a hat on baby basically their entire first year, Um, just really so focused on this importance of warmth, especially for the young child. And I have to say, I do kind of remember, and maybe some of you can connect with this as well, how that does actually relate to education and development. The idea behind this is that when your energy as a young child is going towards keeping you warm, how can it help develop you physically healthy, like your organs, uh, your systems, you know, and then also how how about brain development, right? If you're just trying to keep yourself warm, then how can you really learn uh, and uh, participate in the educational process in a healthy in a healthy way, in a constructive way? So that's the thought process uh, that that I've come to understand. And in my experience, I remember uh, in our 
school at the time, uh, the seventh and eighth grade classrooms were like all kind of off to the side and they took a long time to warm up uh, in in the mornings. And I say this kind of to relate this, that it's not just about the littler kids staying warm and why that's important, but, you know, older older kids as well, even, you know, adults ultimately. So I remember being in those classrooms and it just taking a while for the heat to, to come up and um, feeling like I had to keep my coat, and like my hat on when I came in in the morning. Otherwise, um, like I literally could just couldn't focus on the lesson at hand because I was just so distracted by feeling cold. And I think that when essentially any time we're uncomfortable, you can observe as an adult, how does that impact your ability to soak things in or focus and work on something? So this isn't just something you know, I'm going to be speaking with my guest, Megan, about warmth and its importance uh, for the development of the child, but also for learning and, and ultimately, I think, kind of being productive. Even as an adult, how does this connect or resonate with you? Do you, you know, function well when you're uncomfortable at all? Not usually. So you can kind of take it at face value just like that. You know, if I'm uncomfortable because I'm cold or a child is uncomfortable because they're cold, then, you know, they're just not going to do as well. And, uh, you know, in addition to that, kind of even going further, how for the child does it support healthy development and healthy brain development and healthy participation in the educational process if they are too cold. So now I'm going to be speaking with Megan all about warmth, my expert guest. Thank you so much for joining me again, Megan, on the show to speak about warmth and what we mean when we're talking about warmth. So maybe that's the first question I'll pose for you. What do we mean when we're talking about warmth in relation to the young child and their development? So what obviously comes up for everyone when we talk about warmth is that idea of physical warmth and not being too hot or too cold, but kind of in that Goldilocks zone that helps our bodies to function um, as optimally as possible. But we can also speak of warmth in terms of spirit or emotional warmth. And those are kind of like those, those feel good feelings that you get when when a need is being met, like through uh, someone caring for you or giving you words of praise or validation. And most obviously, what, what, what would come up under that too is, is love. If you imagine an act of service or generosity, like someone doing something really lovely for you, you do get this feeling in your, maybe around your heart center or your chest, and, and you might describe it as like a warm feeling. So uh, yeah, warmth encompasses uh, all of those things. I wouldn't just think of it as the physical warmth of our body. Yeah. So let's break that up now. I think it's very obvious to most of us, warmth is like put on a hat, right? But that's that's outer warmth and you've now touched on inner warmth. So do you wanna talk about the differences between the two? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so outer warmth is that, that more obvious uh, thing like dressing warmly in layers, often like natural fabrics are better because they, they help your body to regulate its temperature. Moving the body, also, I, I thought of that one as like a physical warmth. So especially more for adults who are at a desk, maybe for long hours in the day, when you get up and you move your body and you move around, you're kind of getting that blood flowing. Or, you know, maybe in some Eastern traditions, they might call it uh, chi or in uh, like a Waldorf tradition, they might call it like your 
your etheric or that that kind of energy outside of your physical body that you need to stir up and get um, warmed up. And physical warmth, uh, I also think might fall under, you know, being in a sunny climate and just being in the sun, soaking up that really nourishing, beautiful vitamin D from the sunshine. And then I'm, I'm kind of, I think I used to classify warming foods as inner warmth because they make you feel good inside. But I think they're also a part of, of outer warmth where when you're eating well-cooked foods, it's, it's nourishing for your body. It's easier for your body uh, often to digest um, like soups and stews, especially from like a, a Chinese medicine perspective. Um, and it helps your body to conserve energy that it, it might have to use a little bit more energy if you were eating more raw foods. So I'm, I might consider warming foods in that outer warmth category as well. And in terms of inner warmth, that's more that emotional or spiritual warmth um, that can be created with. Uh, so when I spoke about love or caring or, or generosity, you know, if you offer a child or someone a hug or a massage in some Waldorf, uh, especially in anthroposophical medicine, they often suggest foot warming foot baths, even just a, a warm bath for a child can be really soothing and, and promote that sense of like inner warmth. I think telling stories as a family, cuddling up, reading books, and especially maybe telling stories from uh, one's own culture or one's uh, own like heritage or, or one's childhood. I think all of those could potentially stir up that, that inner sense of warmth. And in that vein too, singing songs together, being in community in some kind of uh, ritual, that, that sense of community warmth that you get when you go to a gathering, which is probably not something many of us have experienced a lot over the past three years, but there is this real sense of communal warmth that can be found there. Inner warmth can be sensed. And I think this is one of those ones that is also, it could be outer or inner, but lighting a candle in a room. Um, we often talk about it, like right now, people talk a lot about hygge, uh, that sense, I think, I think it could maybe loosely be described as like the art of coziness. And uh, yeah, creating that sense of like coziness and warmth and relaxation in a room that might also stimulate this sense of like inner warmth in uh, a person. Yes. And so much of what I just heard to take away for not just young children and what's lovely about that is for us as adults too, how human connection makes us feel good, you know, like warm mm -hmm. inside and, and happy ultimately. I'm wondering how warmth, both inner and outer warmth, support the development of the young child. Yeah. So I think we can all kind of agree with that, that old wives tale, that like grandmother's tale. Like if you if, if you're cold, you're going to get sick. I mean, it's not nearly as simple as that. But the, the basic premise is that if you um, are not physically warm, then your body is spending a lot of energy trying to kind of regulate its temperature instead of using that energy towards something else. And so with children, it's uh, especially important because they are using so much energy to grow. Um, their organs, their bodies, like everything is growing and developing and changing their brains. And so uh, as much as we can, we want their bodies to be in this optimal state of like self-regulation. And we don't, 
like I really want to make clear like an acute case of, you know, running outside in the cold or dancing in the rain or whatever it is, like, it's not a problem at all. It's more that like chronic sense of always being depleted or always feeling cold, and really wanting to um, foster just like an overall sense of warmth uh, on a regular basis for children. And then from a, a spiritual perspective, uh, you can, uh, you know, a lot of people associate fire um, with transformation. So if you think of like a phoenix rising from the ashes or like some a fire god destroying everything and then the um, like new life is born from those ashes. So if you think of warmth and heat as like a transformative element, then and then you also see childhood uh, in a sense, like all of childhood is just one transformation after another, the body's um, constantly transforming and changing, they're going through different ages and stages, you can kind of see how uh, they transform from early childhood into the like adolescence and the teenagehood, and then finally into adult life. And so if you see from that kind of macro perspective, that childhood is this very transformative process, we can also kind of see from a spiritual point of view that warmth helps so much with each of those transformations that we go through. I was reading uh, an article by Adam Blanning, who is an anthroposophical doctor. And he said he I'm not going to get them exactly right, but I would encourage you to kind of Google it. And he mentioned a few studies where participants, uh, for example, they were given a hot coffee and a cold coffee uh, in the lobby waiting for the study. And then they went up and they were asked a series of questions about another person that they had just met. And the participants who had been holding the warm coffee before they they met this person and then evaluated that person, they had they generated more feelings of warmth towards this person. So you can see how our even our sense of warmth affects how we see uh, others. Yes, and I just googled that study myself. By I think it happened at Yale University, and I'm going to link to it on the show notes page for this episode because I find I find that really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, it it kind of impacts so much of how we feel and then how we are and how we act. And I think so much of this also comes to the individual too, right? Some people run just run hotter, and some people don't. And I think with children, a lot of that has to do with their movement. I'm assuming. I know my son who's almost four now. He is in the same class with his best little friend two days a week. And um, his teacher, we've said to his teacher, we live next door to this friend. Um, And the friend is much more like sitting and quiet and Mm -hmm. he gets very cold. And my son is running around all the time, like Mm -hmm. so running around like nuts. And so um, I, we always say like, you know, if he, if the other child needs some of Jasper's things like he could get he could borrow an extra coat or whatever and it's fine um, because of the kind of movement that they each participate in is quite different and I'm yeah. sure that could be the same for different children different adults too definitely so ha- what are ways that one could create an environment uh, that's supporting the you know warmth for the young child and obviously this is going to differ immensely depending on the climate that one is in 
Yeah. And so I, I like just as you were saying that and I was imagining you in Florida right now, I was thinking, you know, uh, your son doesn't need that physical sense of warmth as much as mine do right now where I'm 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 in my uh, dining room looking out at like two feet of snow. Um, <laughs> but, you know, for parents who are living in warmer climates, then maybe that focus more on that inner warmth and fostering that is something that you can take up and, and you have that advantage to focus a little bit more on the inner warmth and not have to worry so much about that, that outer warmth all the time. For parents who are living in those colder climates, obviously, um, wearing slippers, uh, always wearing a hat outside and wearing layers too, uh, because layers can be taken on or taken off and put on um, as much as a child needs to, which gives them that little bit a uh, sense of autonomy. I know some parents worry that they don't want to force their child to wear something if they insist, you know, they're hot and they don't need to wear it. And so having the layers gives them that autonomy and that power to kind of choose how, how much they want to wear in any given moment. Oh, what else? Then there's that in between the inner outer warmth, herbal teas, um, packing hot lunches when you can in, in winter months. And like I said, uh, if you're interested in looking into Chinese medicine, especially from like a, a child development perspective, I really resonated with it when my children were little um, with their digestion and just that they were able to um, feel better and digest things better when they were well cooked and warm warming scent having warming scents in the house like uh, cinnamon and cloves you know they're those classic christmas scents for those who celebrate christmas and i think that that does have a lot to do with the fact that they are very warming um scents um yeah we mentioned i mentioned the warm baths uh i we have a ritual in our family in the cold months to make hot water bottles before bed and to have them waiting in, in each of the beds. Uh, it sounds like a little bit, <laughs> it sounds like a lot, but it's not, I don't know, it's in our routine and I have a kettle, electric kettle upstairs. So it's just, you know, three minutes of filling them up before bedtime and it's really comforting. It helps little ones stay in bed longer, especially if they tend to um, tiptoe into your bed in the middle of the night um, and they're looking for that extra warmth it can be really comforting and then from that inner warmth perspective the gestures of love the hugs you know allowing those moments of presence to have a child sit in your lap I know as parents we can get so busy and so focused on um, progressing to the next step in the rhythm or progressing to like that next part of the day that we don't often take a moment and just uh, be with our children. And so being conscious of that, that can stimulate a lot of warmth and it doesn't have to be a really long time. It's just that, that connection, like you said at the beginning of our conversation. Uh, I'm also, yeah, a huge believer, like I said, in stories in songs and community events, rituals. And I think even there's something to be said about having some kind of a spiritual or like a faith practice within your family that would also generate a lot of warmth and love for you. Yes, I'm thinking of in our family, we bless the meal together. And mm -hmm. that's kind of a really that creates a lot of warmth and no matter the climate or environment or space we in, we're in, especially when we travel around for my husband's work. So yeah, mm -hmm. thank you so much, Megan, for speaking with me all about warmth. Thank you so much for having me. I love chatting with you as always. 
Have you been looking for something specially crafted to entertain and enrich your child's developing mind? Wouldn't it be amazing if this content promoted values like kindness, empathy, and respect to help build a gentler world? Would you love a break but feel a little guilty about turning the TV on? Then you're going to be pretty excited to learn about Sparkle Stories. With Sparkle Stories, your family can enjoy a world of 1,400 plus original audio stories for ages three and up. Sparkle Stories is dedicated to helping the world go a little slower and be a little kinder. Their audio-only approach invites children to adventure, wonder, and dream in a safe and secure way. Audio stories are a low-pressure way to make even the shyest of readers hungry for more adventure and learning. My older son is three and a half, and I love that I can search for stories based on his age or story topic. For him, I love that stories are recorded slowly for young ears, ensuring maximum comprehension and enjoyment. It's been such a nice way to build a quiet rest time into our active days. I've also gifted Sparkle Stories to my six-year-old niece twice now, and I know she enjoys the longer tales and ongoing series. My favorite thing about Sparkle Stories? It is such a great alternative to the TV. Their audio-only stories spur children to use their imaginations and grow their curiosity compared to image-based entertainment like TV. Especially having our new little one in the house, I love using Sparkle Stories to keep my three-year-old's mind engaged and having fun while I get things done. I've teamed up with Sparkle Stories to offer an extended 30-day free trial so you can enjoy the entire library of Sparkle Stories, over 1,400 original audio stories for ages three and up, and you can trust me, you will enjoy. To check out a list of the Sparkle Stories our family enjoys most and additional playlists of stories to accompany each episode throughout the seventh season, I know, so cool, you can check out sparklestories.com forward slash Waldorfy. To get access to your 30-day free trial of Sparkle Stories just for Waldorfy listeners, just visit sparklestories.com forward slash sign up and use code Waldorfy at checkout, and that code is good through the end of 2022. I just love Sparkle Story selection of gentle stories for growing minds. A special thank you again to Megan for speaking with me all about this topic of warmth. If you'd like to learn more about what Megan offers, and it's so much, she's such an incredible resource, uh, you can find that at her website, which I will link to on the show notes page for this episode, which is again, waldorfee.com forward slash warmth. So how do I apply this with my own with my own family and my own home? Well, this is something I really apply. I really want my kids to be warm and I've noticed that uh they it's interesting different children run differently and I'm sure you'll observe that about the children in your care or the children that you know some children run really hot and some children really do run quite cold and my son has one close little friend uh, who's the same about the same age and his little friend runs quite a bit cooler than he does but my son's also super active so when he's inside in the wintertime, we always start the day with kind of wool long underwear. Um, and, you know, that's something we're super fortunate to be able to access. But uh, that's kind of like the base for every day. And then usually wearing like cotton, like play clothes or and whatnot over that. Um, and in the day when he's running and running and running around, often he'll peel off a layer himself. Um, sometimes he'll even peel off all the layers, <laughs> you know, if he's really running around wild, even in the wintertime. Um, but this little friend that he plays with never does that. The little friend usually wears also wool long underwear and then kind of cotton over and then maybe even like a sweater or sweatshirt. And the little friend I've noticed doesn't run around quite as much, isn't quite as uh, like an active little super active little one as, as my little three and a half year old, but um, he doesn't, he like never peels a layer off. So it's interesting to as well observe how children are different. And I think that 
always at a starting point, just observing the child that you have in front of you is a great way to approach what their what their needs are, really, really with all things. So we always start in winter with, you know, two at least two layers. And as it comes into springtime, you know, we get rid of the wool layer underneath. And then basically almost all the year except summer. I always have a another layer to throw on top of the body, like a sweatshirt or a sweater. I love knitting. So I really often am knitting my little ones wool sweaters, which I, you know, I love to do and helps to keep them warm. And wool is just such an incredible fiber. It really, it like, it wicks moisture away from the body when you get sweaty. It does an incredible job of keeping you warm. I've noticed even if it starts drizzling and we're wearing wool sweaters outside outside, and we come in, it like beads the water off. You don't get soaking wet right away. So really, you know, we talk, I feel like wool as a just natural fiber kind of comes up and, you know, when we're talking in relation to Waldorf all the time, but it's just also really useful and really just an incredible fiber to kind of be wearing. In summertime, you know, we just wear shorts or whatever, you know, is comfortable basically to be in an to be in outside. Now my littler one, who's just not even a year old, a little bit different, he was born in May and I really did pretty much keep a hat on him you know, up until like six or nine months old, most of the time, he didn't really, he did not sleep in a hat because I was too nervous. It was going to like fall off and fall around in his bed or something. But also he always wore uh, longer sleeves. I never had him like in a, like just little short onesie ever. Um, And part of that is I do live on a, on a high hill in New Hampshire. So even when it's hot there, it's like 10 degrees cooler way up you know, where I am. So, you know, that there's, that's part of it. Um, and also we just didn't, I was so fortunate to just be like, so tucked in with him the first year he was born. We just didn't like really leave the house (laughs) that often. So, um, we just were in, you know, the shade, at least we weren't in the sun or, you know, out in blazing humidity or something outside, uh, by any means. So, Yeah, we really do try to keep them warm, especially in the winter. And my three and a half year old I've mentioned before is in a little uh, preschool aged class, early Waldorf childhood class at our local Waldorf school. And he is outside almost all the time with his class. And it's so lovely. He really loves being outside. And you know, interestingly enough, even our teacher has reminded me like he needs this or he needs that. So if you're getting that from you know, either whether it's a forest kindergarten teacher or a Waldorf teacher or something, it's not just you. I even know very much and understand this principle and still I'm getting that from our teacher. So uh, yeah, it's just having kind of lots of layers on hand is, is kind of our, our way of our way of going about it and trying to stay uh, dry as well. You know, when he's outside, if he gets wet, then he gets cold and then he's not so happy. So, and doesn't want to run around and play the way that he usually does. So I really, I really try to keep them warm and definitely the heads. That's a big thing early. Like I said, with my you know, infant, I kept a hat on most of the time during the day, um, inside and outside a little cotton hat or a wool hat when we went outside. And then my older one early in the season, like September, I started, you know, it's so there were very few weeks really that he did not go to school in a hat, especially in the morning, uh, to keep him warm so that he could enjoy the day. And for me, I just, you know, lean into, I think he is going to be happy and healthy when he's kept warm at the end of it. And that's our outer warmth approach. Now our inner warmth approach, as we discussed, they're a little different. So 
creating a sense of inner warmth in our home with our young children. Uh, my first kind of go-to is candles. I love what candles creates, the atmosphere that it creates in our home. It's interesting how that changes seasonally too. Uh, every night or in the evening at dinner, uh, we light a candle and we say a blessing at dinner time. In this moment of reverence together when we have our dinner, we light candles in the home sometimes, just beeswax candles in the afternoon, especially in the winter time when the sun goes down earlier. I'll still have the lights on, but I'll light candles to create a little atmosphere of warmth. I know families with older children, I think our children are a little too young for this, like to light a candle uh, as part of their bedtime ritual before bedtime in the room. We have in my son's bedroom, my three and a half year old, a salt lamp. Um, that has a really nice pink glow to it. And that tone, that kind of light is a lot more, lends itself for uh, young children to be around and fall asleep more easily than blue or green, green tone lights. So we really enjoy that. The salt lamp is amazing. It's also, we have a little one plugged into his bathroom as his nightlight in the bathroom too, if he has to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. And I don't think they're actually supposed to be in the bathroom because the salt uh, and the humidity kind of like breaks out the lamp. But anyways, especially the one in his bedroom, we just love. You can kind of turn it all the way up when we first go in. And as we do the bedtime story towards the end of his bedtime routine, you know, we turn it all the way down and then it's on the lower setting all through the night because he likes to sleep with a little night light now that he uh, is over three. That kind of started around age three. So another way that I create warmth or the feeling of inner warmth for him is through stories. And this is fun because telling stories, I can relate them to things in his day. And particularly, I like to relate them to the seasons that we're experiencing or big experiences that we're going through, transitions that we're going through as a family when he was getting a new sibling. Or right before we came here to Florida, we talked about we have kind of little running themes like with characters and we talked about what they'll be experiencing. And this just kind of creates a little inner space for him and I think for his mind to kind of go to and sort of explore in an inward way uh, that I feel really creates this like warmth or snuggliness in his little uh, life. Another way, and Megan brought it up earlier, is Huga. So this is this concept of coziness that comes from Scandinavia. My mom, I don't know if she'll be listening to this, is like the Huga professional. Everything in her home and her life is, I shared a photo on social media a few weeks ago where she, I was just knitting with her at her dining room table and she brought over a candle and just lit it to create this little warmth and coziness. Every kind of texture in her home, I feel like lends itself to warmth. Even in the summertime, actually, she uses natural fibers um, in her decor often. And, you know, we think of creating warmth, again, as the outer warmth all the time. And I do that in the wintertime too with a lot of, um, I have quite a few sheepskins that have either been handed down to me um, or that I've gotten my favorite place to get sheepskin, by the way. I love the sheepskins that I've gotten from Palumba. They're super high quality and lovely. Um, and that's how we create a sense of warmth in our home through the wintertime. I actually got a super low pill kind of like gross, probably bleached uh, sheepskin, although super affordable from Ikea. And that one I use um, on the floor in like a little more high traffic areas. And I just put it in the washing machine and don't really care as much when that one gets super beat up. And that's the one that I actually take with us here to Southern Florida because um, it creates this kind of warmth in my son's bedroom uh, that 
isn't too hot, you know, but creates still that feeling of coziness that I think relates so much to what we're speaking to. I also almost actually featured an episode in this season all about hookah because I feel that it connects so much with this creating this sense of warmth, both outer and especially inner warmth, you know, in the home and atmosphere. So if you're wanting to create this sense of atmospheric warmth, I think that looking to any resource on hookah would be super helpful. The other thing that I try to keep in mind when it feels uh, when I'm trying to create, again, this atmosphere of warmth or this sense of inner warmth as well, because that kind of translates, right? When you're in an atmosphere of uh, warmth within a home or space, it kind of comes inside as well, is peace and quiet, which is really important uh, for us in our house because it's often not peaceful and quiet with a little infant who can be crying and then, you know, the older one who's running around or screaming or can be overstimulated by other activities in his day. And the way that I create that is pretty simple. I just make sure that I don't, I'm not playing music. I really hardly ever play actually music, recorded music in our home. I do sometimes, especially for myself, but but pretty rarely because I find it just can be overstimulating. And I think that the uh, for us and my three and a half year old, that kind of overstimulation lends itself to like overwhelmment and uh, it pretty quickly can go into like this rambunctious like more challenging behavioral moments that can pop up. And so I, especially if we've done something in the day that's already been like big or a big experience, I just try to keep myself, my own tone, uh, more toned down and quiet. And uh, then also I don't, I wouldn't play recorded music on that day, for example. And I think that this can relate to uh, families in different ways. And this is so important. It's just, again, turning your observation to the child in front of you and what their needs are. And I just see for my son, um, if we've, you know, already, as I mentioned, been out and about and things have been busy in the day, uh, if, for, if I were to come home on that day and then be like telling my husband and really loud and excited, even for a moment, that might be okay. But generally what I try to do is receive him back into the home in a kind of quiet and loving and peaceful way uh, as as much as I can and maybe save like listening to music or something for another day or uh, any kind of other really stimulating stuff within the home for another day. So that's how I approach inner warmth within the, our home. That's our approach. So again, you can find the show notes and resources for this episode at waldorfie.com forward slash warmth. Thank you again to our incredible Waldorfie podcast partner, Sparkle Stories. You can find the playlist of audio stories for young children that accompany this episode and learn where you can sign up for a 30-day free trial of Sparkle Stories. Usually it's just seven days, but for Waldorfie listeners, because of our partnership, you can get access to a 30-day free trial. It's so incredible by using the code Waldorfie at checkout. All of that you can kind of go through at sparklestories.com forward slash Waldorfy. You can find all that information. Again, I have to thank our incredible, generous, generous Waldorfy Patreon supporters. Thank you so much, all of you, for helping me to bring this content to you with your small monthly contribution. Uh, it really means the world. 
to me and just is so helpful. So thank you so much. You can learn more about becoming a Patreon supporter at patreon.com forward slash Waldorfy. Patreon is P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Another great way to support the show is by writing a positive review, which I so appreciate. You can do that anywhere you get your podcast on any podcast listening platforms. Apple Podcasts is especially helpful. And again, I so appreciate that. You can also follow along on social media. I'm most active on Instagram at bwaldorfy. That's B-E Waldorfy. I hope you stay warm and thank you again for listening in. Be well.